0: He's back, man. It's been about two years. The great Stan Feverine Welcome, sir. How are you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm doing well, man. A lot going on, a lot going on. A lot doing going on. on, I'm sure. Um, first off, the last time you were here, I told you this off camera, but I want to say it on camera. Uh, you were the very first guest we had in the studio. Yeah, I remember, I remember. And that was by design. You know, what we're trying to do here at WBH Radio is sports, it's education, um, it's entrepreneurship, and you fit that mold to a T. So we said, you know what? We're we going to have Stan in here um, as our very first guest in studio. Stan, how many jobs you got these days?
1: <laughs> I got a lot of jobs, man. Um, I'm a, I'm a counselor at the school level, at the high school, at Grady High School. Uh, I got my sports leadership program. That's that, that, that's my own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at a couple of schools with that. I'm back at Brooklyn College with that, with mm-hmm. all the sports teams there. Well, not all the sports teams, but like five sports teams there. Yeah. Um, I do the sports leadership at Grady as well. Yeah. I did it with Massbeth High School in the preseason. So I'm working. you working. working.
0: You're working. Uh, when you told me that you were doing sports leadership at Brooklyn College, you know, you said you were working with the men's basketball program. And the women's. That made me very happy. You know what I'm saying? We know you've been associated with the women's program for a long time, but being able to work with the men's program, with your guy, my guy, head coach Jeffrey Jean Baptiste, yes, 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 you know, yes. that made me very happy. Uh, when I when I was working as his his assistant, my one goal was to help one of our one of us, a former player, secure that position long term mm-hmm. so he can do cool things like call his man, stand in, so he can do cool things like respect the alumni that have played for him. You know what I'm saying? We need that connection. We needed one of our own, So that was my only goal. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So to see the years later you guys are working together, helping to mentor the, the young men was uh, 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 pretty cool. How'd you guys do this year?
1: Uh, rough year, rough year. Um, uh, I think coming into the season, uh, in terms of recruitment, uh, Jeff had a couple players that uh, were supposed to play for him. Some mm-hmm. of them didn't pan out. You know, they had other things going on. A lot of guys were injured, yeah. um, new system in place. You know, he was running that five out stuff and he had to teach it to the guys yeah. for the first time. So he was he, you know and he also had to establish new leadership on the team. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of um obstacles. So it was it, it was a rough season. Mm-hmm. But um towards the end of the season though, um things came together. So going into next year I I, I think he has a lot of good momentum. Um some nice players coming back and then he, he's recruiting hard so he got some nice pieces coming in too.
0: So. Leadership Stan, how, how how would you define it? You know what I'm saying? How how does that differ from just scheme and X and O's? So my main focus is self leadership, mm-hmm. right? Self discipline,
1: self leadership, um, composure, and really, really helping the athletes tap into um, their best self, mm-hmm. right? So we can create and build championship culture because we can't really depend on just one guy mm-hmm. or, just, you know, especially D three. You need you need um, solid teams, yes, sir. Because you don't you don't just get it, it, it. It's hard to go far with just one or two guys, right? So you need solid guys. And anything can come up. Anything can come up. At the drop of a dime, somebody might say, hey, look, listen, coach, I tried my best, but I got to make some money. Yeah. I, 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 I got to go make money. Or, look, my mom is sick.
0: They have to right? step away from the team. And yeah. you got
1: to step away from the team. I'm like, yo, these, this is not what I thought it was. And then they step away. So D3 can be very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. So you need self-leaders. Mm-hmm. You need self-leaders. So you, you establish the self-leaders first, right? You help them tap into their best selves. And everything that the sport has to teach them.
0: Because
1: a lot of our guys ain't going to lead. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's not like these guys are like, uh, although some do, you know, that is their goal. But a lot of guys, they want to be teachers, lawyers, doctors, uh, uh, firefighters, whatever it is. There's so much to learn from the sport. The sport teaches you so much. So... My goal is to help them tap into them to their best self, doing this thing mm-hmm. that's really hard and top assuming. Mm-hmm. You know, five, six, seven, eight months of of this thing that's teaching you about yourself constantly. Yeah. And you're doing it through play. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful.
0: When you talk to Jeff, your head coach, but also your friend, when you talk to him about his leadership ability, or when you give him advice or when you critique him, uh what's what's that conversation like?
1: So me and Jeff have a very special relationship. So um, this was my first time really working with him
0: mm-hmm.
1: on, a, on a professional level, mm-hmm. right, where our conversations have to have to be tailored to more of a professional. Um, it, it has to be more professional. So usually we joke around. We go right. on vacations together. We know each other's families. So there's a certain way that we speak to each other, right? right? That doesn't work. <laughs> when, you're, when, when your team is struggling and you're yeah. trying to put things together, so that was something that we had to establish uh, from the very beginning. But I knew that, and me and him spoke about it. So um uh, that was
0: an adjustment period. It,
1: it, was, it was an adjustment. period. Was it period.
0: uncomfortable a little bit?
1: No, no, okay. no, no. Because that's my brother. He right. trusts me. I trust him. And we had those conversations every night. Uh, we're trying to figure out ways to get the guys to be better, for for him to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we had some tough conversations because there were some things that I was like, look, like, I don't I don't think that works,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And he's like, well. It got to work. Right. And then, you know, later on in the season, he's like, look, let me try something else. What do you think? Well, I like that. or well, I don't like that. You know, there's... So we had to... And I and I got to be sensitive to it because this is my first year yeah. working with him. So I can't just say anything. Whereas if I'm working with Alex, I can say, hey, coach, look, listen, you know what it is. We did this back in the day. Right. That don't work. And he'll be like, yeah, I know, but... So but with Jeff, we had to... You know, even yeah. though we're friends and, and we're close, we had to establish uh, some... um Some ground rules in terms of how we're gonna have these conversations.
0: For you, Stan, as a leader, uh, what is it like to make a recommendation to coach, you know, and coach say, "Okay, I considered that, but still go in the other direction." What's that like for you?
1: So I spent many years as an assistant. (laughs) So that happens all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll, um, you know, you'll have all these ideas, and and you can't react. You got to respond. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference. Reacting is like emotion in the moment. Like, yo, coach, you got to do this. Responding, I got to take some time and kind of feel out what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right, um, our defense is struggling, right? How can I how can I get our defense to be better? I got to go back and watch film. I got to watch hours of film because
0: mm-hmm.
1: the head coach does. I got to go watch even more film. If, I, if, if I'm going to bring him something, I got to go watch film, and yeah. I got to come to him and say, hey, look, look these are the numbers, mm-hmm. right? This is what's happening. I can't just go off the eye test because we're both watching the same thing. Now, me and Alex had a special relationship where we worked together for so long that he knows that I did my homework. Right. So if I say, "Yo, coach, look, listen, I like this," mm-hmm. he'd be like, "I right, understand. I'll think about it." And then tomorrow it might be in practice, right. or oh, it might not. But <laughs> yeah. I don't feel no way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it, it's, it's just how it works.
0: How it is. Alex Lang was a uh, uh, is a longtime head coach at Brooklyn College for the women's squad, and you served as his assistant for many years. When Jeff invited me to be an assistant on his staff, um, I was amazed. You know, I I thought it was a special opportunity. Again, I wanted to help one of us, a former player, establish his credibility. You know, especially not just amongst the athletes, but the conference. Like, yo, he ain't just a homie. He is a coach. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when I got to be a part of his staff, I knew he was a basketball mind, but I was impressed by his leadership you know, his his ability to develop young men, his ability to build a team. You know what I'm saying? And I, I took great pride when he won the Coach of the Year award. You know what I'm saying? I felt like, dang, maybe I played a hand in that. You know what I'm saying? Helping him to lay the foundation for what was going to be. So in that first year, he won Coach of the Year. Second year, he won uh, the City Championship. These last two years have kind of been a struggle, Sam. Why do you think that that is? After that... Uh, Great start, coach of the year and champion. Why the struggle?
1: I think it's an adjustment period. I think um, coming out of COVID especially, mm-hmm. and you got different types of athletes that think different, right? And he has to go out and and he, he's doing that. He got to recruit the players that he feels that fits his system. And he's creating a new system. He's coming mm-hmm. into his own. Because remember, he was under Podias for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then he was under McAuliffe. And then he came into his own, mm-hmm. right? But this is still early. It's a very it's very early, and Brooklyn itself as a place is going through a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. So getting getting players in looks different now. Yeah, right from like ten years ago, from five years ago, mm-hmm. it, it looks different. The type of athletes that you're going to recruit, the connections that you make, you make some of connections as an assistant. That's one thing, but as a head coach, it's a different ball game. Different ball game, you know. So as an assistant, you could be out. As a head coach, you got to be around a lot. Mm-hmm. So you got to depend on your assistants to do that job and. Again, D3, assistants ain't full-time, right? Right. So assistants got full-time jobs and stuff. So he's he's coming to his own in terms of bringing in his own players and created a system, you know, for those players.
0: Stan, my stance, and I said this on a podcast before, that man is asked to do a full-time job with half the resources, Stan.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I see the struggles. My coach don't – he – he didn't lose his ability to coach the game. I feel like the fact that he's part-time and I feel Brooklyn has given him the resources to be what he needs to succeed, like his competition has at John Jay, like the guys at Baruch have, it's gonna eventually catch up to him. So I don't look at the last two years as bad years. I think of the fact that he won coach of the year and won championship is that much more phenomenal.
1: Now, Jeff, Jeff is an amazing, like he's, as a player, he was a, a quiet leader, mm-hmm. right? And he's generally a chill person, just laid back. Yeah. But he has a certain intensity mm-hmm. and, a, and a certain love for people, you know, especially people development, mm-hmm. that it's going to get him far. He's, he's going to do very well as a coach. Right. Because he, he understands development. He cares about young people. And he has that killer instinct. And he's going to challenge them to also have it. Mm-hmm. He's going to come into his own. Having a full-time job at Brooklyn would change everything. Without a doubt, because he could only give that much more support,
0: right? And um, staying full time, you could you could monitor grades, you can do one on ones, recruitment, recruitment. Stan, you go back to his championship year. The championship game MVP was Anthony McLean. The story goes that one of the alumni helped bring in Anthony McLean because Jeff is only one man. You know what I'm saying? He, he can't get to every game. That's how small a margin is for error. You know what I'm saying? If that alumni didn't bring in that championship game MVP, yeah. who knows what we would have we, we would have been. You know what I'm saying? So Stan, if if you look in the conference and his, his his competition, Baruch just went back to back. They have the luxury of thinking about their basketball team all day working in the athletic department. Like, yo, my man is actually doing do the job with one hand tied behind his back. Yeah, and he's
1: doing a lot. You got he got Jeff has a couple jobs. You wanna talk about me having a couple jobs? I, he has a couple
0: jobs. How do how, what can we do? As alumni, you speak about the changes going on at the, at the school. Y'all just got a new athletic director. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. What can we do to help tell a story of our coach and let them know that, hey, we may need a little bit more resources. We're going to really make a run at being a national power, which I think Brooklyn can with that name.
1: So I think, um, you know, Brooklyn College is a very special place because so many of our um, alumni go on to be teachers. Big time. And coaches, I mean, we run the PSAL. Nobody else has as many uh, alumni in the PSAL as as a, mm-hmm. as Brooklyn College. So I think, um, one, creating that space for everybody to come back home, right? Mm-hmm. Creating that space for, you know, and, and you see it. A lot of our guys are coming, a lot of our young ladies and our young men are coming back to Brooklyn to watch the games,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Every night we got alumni in the crowd. Um, I think it's very important that our coaches... On the PSAL level, our teachers on the PSL level, um, really, really go out there and 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 push for us a little bit. Okay. Push for us, and it's not just that. It's not just that. That helps.
0: Push as far as recruiting and different things. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just talking it up a little okay. bit. Okay. Just talking it up a little bit. Even something small, something very small, like Broken College's next game is on this date. Mm-hmm let's let's share that on social media mm. you know what I'm saying like let's share the ups and the downs yo Jeff, Jeff one coach you the year. share that let that let that go through the community because there's a lot of people that that are in those positions that don't know what's going on mm. right so i I think um in terms of alumni we just gotta be relevant and and and, and still be um out there okay
0: the new athletic director
1: yes mr smiles
0: mr, mr. smiles yes yes What was that process like in selecting a new AD? How involved were you and the rest of the alumni? Like, what do you guys know about it? Because the story goes, everybody was pushing for Alex Lang, who was a longtime assistant, to get that job.
1: Without a doubt. So, of course, um, anybody that's been part of the program for a long time wants Alex to get it because he he deserves it, Mm -hmm. right? He worked really, really hard, and we know from the inside what he's done Mm -hmm. and the work that he's put into... To, to help Brooklyn College Athletics become what it is now. Mm. I remember at the ver- our website was trash back in the day, <laughs> yeah. right? We didn't even have a website. Right. Now we got this popping website where kids from California, Hawaii, <laughs> everybody's tapping in, they like what they see. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so I feel I wish he got it cuz that's my brother. Yeah. Of course, you 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 are rooting for your brother. Yeah. So I, I really wish he got it. He didn't.
0: Right? Question standing and I think you would know the answer. Yeah, yeah. Alex Lang You know, their salaries are posted online, 90 plus, his sister AD, he gets to coach the women's basketball program, He is a college professor. Do we know he wanted the job? Who, Alex? Yeah.
1: Without a doubt. Of of course. I mean, listen.
0: He would have to give up a coaching job, maybe? I don't know.
1: I don't know, because I've seen a lot of athletic directors do both. Okay. So I don't know if he would have gave it up. I'll take your word for it. It's hard to do, though. it's,
0: (laughs) It's hard to do. Okay.
1: And also, it's hard to walk away. It's hard to walk away from coaching, Yeah. right? So that's a—I think that's a question. Um, that's a decision he would have had to make with him and his family. Yeah. If he would have got the job, he would have had to sit down with his wife. You know, he got two kids.
0: So he wanted it, and he wanted unfortunately, he got—they passed over him. Yeah, yeah, I heard there was protests and all type of stuff on campus from the kids and so athletes. A
1: lot of student athletes, you know, were really in his corner, um, and they and they really wanted him to have that. Alex has supported a lot of a lot of, of, of student athletes Without that question. didn't necessarily play Without question for the women's basketball team. You know, they could stop by his office at any given time. Hey, coach, this is going on right now. You know, I need some advice. This is going on. Or one of the other coaches from one of the other teams aren't on campus and you got a kid that's having bursar issues. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Or, or something. And he's there to always help.
0: Did that support make it to the desk of the people that were making the decision?
1: I don't know. So... I got, while I was working there, right, mm-hmm. I was, me personally, I was sure that coach was going to get it. You know, I, I, I thought it. he was going to get it. So I didn't know that there was this thing happening until it happened, <laughs> right? And I can't tell you what happened. Mm-hmm. I really don't know what happened. I know that as soon as um, the word got out that he might not get it, right, mm-hmm. student athletes, you know, jumped on it and uh, started rallying mm-hmm. it up, which was beautiful to see because yeah. he deserved you know, that that type of love. That
0: support, that push. Yeah. When I heard about it, I was mad nobody called me. You know what I'm saying? It, call me William Holly, the podcaster. If, if y'all wanted to help getting a message out, mm-hmm. call me William Holly, the executive director of my city. You know what I'm saying? We got access to newsletters and stuff. Like, this is what this is, is, is for. Mm-hmm. So we can be heard. And then when I saw who they selected, he ain't from the network. Well he, he's he from
1: outside. He not from Brooklyn, but he from you know he 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 was at Hostos.
0: He was at Hostos a junior college. Yeah. Alex Lang has been working as the assistant A D for 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah. You bring somebody in from a junior college? That's that that surprised me
1: as well. Again, again, I don't even know how this process works in yeah. terms of how they pick. Yeah. Right. So I
0: don't I I don't know. Now, Smiles is his name, Eric Smiles. He recruited me a great deal. When I came out of Kingsborough.
1: He was at Farmingdale?
0: He was at Farmingdale, head basketball coach. Yeah, Very intense dude. He's from Hostos, junior college. He coached at NY Poly, he coached at Farmingdale, and now he's the AD. No real ties to the campus. He has a basketball background. That makes me wonder if my man's time, like if he's on the clock, Jeffrey Jean Baptiste. I, I fear that maybe. We, I mean, we all on the, on the clock as far as we got to do the job to perform. But now I feel like there's even more pressure. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't know if, that's, if, if, if it's pressure. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, that's a conversation uh, that Jeff will probably have with Smiles and he'll probably want to know his philosophy and things mm-hmm. of that sort. Um, I, don't see, I, don't, I don't see him coming in to just shake the whole thing up. You know, he still got to learn Brooklyn a little bit. So I think Jeff got some time. Uh-huh. I yeah. think Jeff got some time.
0: Because, yo, know, I'm behind my coach. Like, whatever yeah, no, we got to no, no, do.
1: No, we're We're behind him. We're behind him. Smiles
0: them. is an intense dude. He has a basketball background. Here you are, you get the opportunity to be an AD. He probably got a Rolodex of people. He won that spot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, when I saw how that played out, I was like, yo, that's that's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, my City Stand. Yes, yes. Last year... You coached your beloved Bulldogs. Yes. What was that experience like, man?
1: It was it was amazing from the time it started. Well, the buildup was great. You did a great job with the buildup. Because at first, it was just like, all right, my city, let's see how this thing goes. <laughs> and then a lot of people started calling my phone, man. Like, yo, stand up on the team or not. I'm like, yo, I don't pick no players. And I purposely, I don't want no parts of picking players. Guys, listen to me. Anybody listening, all alumni. I do not select players. I just show up that day. And I coach. It's all love, but I have not selected players. Oh, man. it's hard, man. It's hard.
0: There's so many people that want to participate. Everybody man, wants to play. We try to do our best to uh, get as many people as we can in. Uh, what What was it like coaching, though? Like, take us into the um, the huddles, okay. the bench. Again, from the time from the time you started
1: promoting it, from the time I walked into the gym, mm-hmm. right? I was pleasantly surprised in terms of the aesthetics. It looked beautiful in there that day. Um so many people, and it wasn't, you know, people I haven't seen in a long time, mm-hmm. with their families, with their kids, um, current players yeah. that that are playing right now that don't even know some of these people. They came out. They, they come to support, and it just shows um, how important that event was for community building. Mm-hmm. That's an amazing CUNY event. And it's no knock on CUNY, but we've never had nothing like that, right? So it's dope to have everybody come together like that and celebrate the city game. Mm-hmm. We have a very special thing, mm-hmm. right? So to so come and celebrate the city game like that it was amazing, all the families, and then to get a chance to be with all these wonderful young ladies. We have a blast together, jokes for days. Um, you know, it was it, it was from, from the time it started to the time it ended, taking pictures. Of course, I would rather win than lose, yeah. right? And it came down in true fashion to like the last play, <laughs> right, which was dope too, but... Um, You know, if that happens this time, I'll call a better player. I'll be more prepared. (laughs) Uh,
0: What are some lessons you learned as far as coaching and managing the different generations? Like, because I'm looking over there from afar. I'm like, yo, I don't envy that position. There's a lot of people that are used to playing and having things ran for them. What was, what, I guess, lesson did you learn that you may apply this second year?
1: I got to pay a lot of attention in the first couple of minutes to fatigue. Like, who's tired? Because I don't know what shape they're in. I don't know who's been balling, who hasn't. So you still have this idea of who this person used to be, yeah. right? And their and their um, pain threshold, or the or their or their um, ability to play tired, yeah. and it ain't the same. Mm-hmm. It ain't the same, but um, I I think that's it. You know, just trying to figure out who's in shape and who's not, and and especially towards the end of the game, playing the players that are in shape.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yo, Stan, that that event was for you. You know. Um, we did the interviews, and I was telling everybody, like, the event was inspired by each individual. And it's the same is for you. You know, Stan, I, I knew how much you loved that program, the hand you played in building that program. But your career took you in a different path. But you still a bulldog. Oh, yeah, and we time. wanted to make sure you still had a, a way to connect with your girls.
1: Oh, that was beautiful.
0: And yeah. they were excited to have you. Uh, you said something to me that day, which is one of the, the coolest things. You said, well, I don't even think the people here know what this is. What do you mean by that?
1: Because it's new, yeah, right? It's new. And everybody shows up and, you know, there's expectations, right? There's things that you want to see. There's things that you don't know. You know, there's people that you don't even know you're going to run into. Mm -hmm. So when I saw it, I didn't know what it was, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm sitting there and I'm taking it in and it was so dope Mm -hmm. just to see everybody, like, having a great time and even some of the games got a little chippy, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, to see that competitive edge (laughs) between people is... You know it, it's great, and then just everybody saluting each other for the work that they put in yeah. to make this conference what it is. And it was it, it was a lot of people saluting each other, like, "Hey, great job!" Even the girls from Hunter, we lost the game to them, yeah. and they came over. It was like, "Yo, let's take pictures, let's take pictures." It was yeah. a moment that we'll never get back. For sure, you know, in that way. So it it, it was just great,
0: man. It was, it was a great, great. vibe. Uh, even you was um, on the bench for the, the men's game too. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, that's what I try to tell guys like, "Yo, we all." a part of each other's stories. Family. If I think back to some of my biggest wins, they big wins because of the level of competition I was going against. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We probably couldn't shake hands and stuff the way we did back then, but 10 years later, I could give you that salute. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And we could still go out there and compete. And everybody everybody loved Coach Stan. The girls, their parents, everybody. <laughs> like, Hopefully we have a, a bigger turnout this year. It was great to see Jeff out there on the court too. You know, what I'm saying I, I love to see the players with their coaches. You know, Jeff, uh, Meek, uh, guys that help to nurture and mentor these young men. Now they all on the same court. So that's one of the biggest things I enjoy about uh, my city. What'd you guys do for the Super Bowl this year?
1: Uh, what we we be kept it chill, man. Uh, uh, me and me guys. My, my my brother's a football coach in the Utrecht, so he's a big football guy. Yeah. So I was hanging out with him and a couple of my guys. We just had a bar chilling, watching the game.
0: Mm -hmm. This was the first year two black quarterbacks started the game. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that happened. You know, 2023, I I figured we had been there already. But no, this was the very uh, first year. And a lot of the stories were coming about, about the black quarterback and their journey. What's your earliest memory of perhaps watching a black quarterback uh, oh,
1: man. Um, Warren Moon days. Yeah. Right? That that running shoot out in Houston. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Warren Moon. Uh, what's the brother from Washington, man? Doug Williams? Doug Williams, right? Doug Williams. Um, you know, uh, of course, like the greats. Like, Warren Moon was great. Yeah. But the sensationalized players, the players that just had you going crazy, like Mike Vick. Yeah. You know, that... That that era of quarterbacks were... It, it was rare. Yeah. You know, It wasn't something that you saw all the time. You
0: did know? you know that, like, yo, this is rare, like, back at that time? Because all of the stories that came out about the journey of the black quarterback that played out this year during the Super Bowl made me reflect. And when I look back, some of my favorite players, Steve McNair, like, I didn't know at the time that I was attracted to these guys because they look like me. But that's the way it was. Steve McNair, Donovan McNabb. At the time, did you know that, like, back then, that we you were watching something special or Anomaly definitely not.
1: Mm-hmm. I I didn't feel like that cuz um you know what it is with the with ESPN becoming the way it is mm-hmm. now and um all these media outlets right these stories uh you know they're spoken about widespread right right you hear the stories all the time. And um back then you didn't you, you didn't hear that perspective. Right. People didn't speak through that lens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like, "Oh, he's great. He's a running quarterback or he has a great arm, and he he's great. But this idea of there's not enough black quarterbacks in the league mm-hmm. um, wasn't even a conversation. You know that I was aware of. Right. Not enough black coaches. You know I wasn't aware of that. Those weren't things I've. You know it was like one of those things. Like oh, I was supposed to be a white quarterback right. what the hell? <laughs> yeah. and a and a black running back. Mm-hmm. You know a white a white running back or fullback. You know white fullback makes sense. Right. Like 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 Mike Alstott.
0: Yes. Right. For it was like ah, yeah yeah
1: that makes yeah. sense. But then you got a, a, a McCaffrey, right, on the 49ers right now. That was rare. It was like, oh, wow, you got somebody like that. So I wasn't aware of those conversations, mm-hmm. not, not as an um, early teen.
0: When I seen the Super Bowl play out in the stories, first time two black quarterbacks are going head-to-head, you know, I started to do a lot of reading. Jason Reed actually wrote a book, The Rise of the Black Quarterback, which went back in the history, talked about Doug Williams, talked about Warren Moon. Uh, what else did I read? I ended up reading Warren Moon's autobiography. This is all since the Super Bowl, and Warren Moon, coming out of college, he ended up going to play in the CFL for many years because he couldn't get an opportunity in the NFL. He had to go to the CFL, prove himself, then he came there. And when I look at the trials and tribulations that Doug Williams and these early guys went to, it makes me wonder if – is it possible that some of these black quarterbacks have underachieved – you mentioned Mike Vick, like Warren Moon and them went through the, the grinder for teams to say, OK, now we can trust the black quarterback to be selected in the first round and give them franchise money. And then some of these guys dropped the ball. Is it possible that the black quarterback has actually underachieved, Stan?
1: Well, I'll say when you look at some of the I'll, I'll take uh, man. Why am I not? Why am I not remembering his name right now? Uh, Griffin.
0: Um, RG three, Robert Griffin R- the third. Yes, perfect example. Yes,
1: this dude in college played in a spread offense,
0: mm-hmm.
1: spread offense, tearing defenses apart. He comes to the NFL. They give him three tight ends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they give him three tight ends, two running backs, and basically tell him run. Right. These offensive coordinators, right? Mm-hmm. These offensive coordinators, and a lot of the people that get to train the quarterback. Mm-hmm are 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 the ones that I would say are leading to the underachievement. Because mm. somebody like RG3 should have never had the career that he had. Right. You know what I'm saying? This dude was dynamic. He proved it in college. Yeah. Played in a spread offense. How do you play in a spread offense in college and then you come to the NFL? I, I, I gave you three tight ends. Mm.
0: That is great. very possible. Uh, his coach, Mike, Sh- Mike Shanahan, wasn't really... Fond of him early on. Mm-hmm. That's why they end up drafting Kirk Cousins a little bit later in the draft. So you're right. That's part of their success. The offensive coordinators and, and, and the team willing to buy in to their quarterback's talents. But I, a guy like Michael Vick, Michael Vick is the first black quarterback ever drafted number one overall. Yeah. Like this was a fairly a new thing because, again, organizations didn't think that. These guys were smart enough. These guys were responsible enough to lead a franchise, right? Warren Moon, Doug Williams, Donovan McNabb put that work in so organizations could say, okay, now we can trust the black guy. And Mike Vick ends up with a federal indictment. Yeah, yeah. Jamarcus Russell ends up with a lean addiction. Mm-hmm. So I, I when I was watching that play, I was saying, they'll never say that on ESPN, but I find myself being frustrated. Is it fair that the black man got to be twice as good? No. But them brothers kind of dropped the ball.
1: You know what frustrates me about that? It's it's again it's the media coverage, right? Mm. A lot of the media coverage is very irresponsible, extremely irresponsible. It's not to say that Mike Vick didn't do it. He did, of course. He did what he did, right? But when when is when is there ever a hockey player that drinks and drives? When is there ever a hockey player that has some sort of domestic issues? We don't hear about them. Mm-hmm. They don't even cover the personal lives <laughs> of hockey players, yeah. right? So if you're watching these media outlets enough, mm-hmm. you start to think that basketball players and football players are the only ones out here wilding
0: out. Getting in trouble, right?
1: Mind you, you have the National Soccer League. These dudes are doing all types of crazy stuff, mm-hmm. right? right? You, you, you got hockey. Mm-hmm. You got all these other sports and all these other um, um, athletes that do get in trouble, that mm-hmm. do make the same mistakes, that are rich and young and mm-hmm. do crazy stuff. But we're definitely, the microscope is definitely on on, on black athletes.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you think of the Lamar Jackson situation and how it played out this season? I don't know if you heard today, but the, the organization franchise tagged him, non-exclusive tag, so he's free to go negotiate and they have the chance to match up. What what'd you think about how that whole situation played out this year?
1: So from what I know, mm-hmm. from what I know, right, um, Lamar Jackson, um, I believe his agent is his mother. Yes, sir. Right? That is... I I just don't feel that's responsible. I don't feel that's responsible.
0: That's a unique take, Stan. Most people so, say, yo, he should be able to handle his
1: fist." That's I, unique. Go ahead. I feel like, yes, your mother should be involved. But for her to be the, the agent, there's a certain level of... Um, I'd I be worried about... And, and it, it showed in, in some of his dealings mm-hmm. that... I think his team needs to be a little bit more broad. I'm not saying dump mom, right. without a doubt. Keep mom, but you, you need a bigger team. If he doesn't already have one, I don't know. But not- him having a black quarterback, having his mother as his agent, to me, is a little irresponsible in terms of dealing with the NFL.
0: Mm.
1: I think you need a little bit more.
0: This is very unique, Stan. Some will say, yo, this is the age of athlete empowerment. You got LeBron James moving around with his his friend, Rich Paul. Like, if if Lamar Jackson knows what he wants, he should be able to represent himself.
1: Now, Le- LeBron and Rich, just like well, I was telling you about me and um Jeff. Yes, sir. You know, our conversations could be like this, <laughs> and it could be like that, right? All right. I, If my mother was my agent, I'd have a hard time saying certain things, you know? And I don't know Lamar's relationship with his mom, obviously, but I don't know. I think that was interesting um, that that that's the stance that he took. And and you see, he's not getting—he's not being valued the way he's
0: supposed to be valued. Now, many people believe that he did suffer an injury, but they felt he could have came back and played in the season, but he didn't because— He didn't have that contract.
1: Well, you got to protect yourself, right? Your career is not going to last forever. Your career is not going to last forever.
0: Now, Stan, at the beginning of the year, he implemented a deadline. If we don't work out a deal before the beginning of the season, I'm going to stop negotiation. I'm going to play my way through. Seemingly, I guess he felt that he was going to be able to raise his value. So how could you now pout and sit out in the middle of the season, Stan? I don't know.
1: That's a good question. That's a good question. And that, again, that does come back down mm-hmm. to your team. Like, who's who's advising you? Because mm-hmm. you're taking a huge chance here. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money being left on the table. So,
0: I don't know. I thought that was just a, a poor act of leadership. I feel like he sunk his team's season. Mm-hmm. Yo, bro, as a teammate, I want you to get your money. Nobody's going to feed your family. But if you decide to walk through the doors... I need you to be ready and be ready to perform.
1: So now I ask this question, right? So okay, valid point. Mm. Now, the organization also wants to win, correct? Yes. So can they find a middle ground? Can they find a middle ground? Cuz they're not willing to budge neither.
0: You're under contract for this year. Mm. E- either you hold out or but if you show up, you cannot get upset and pout in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. You impose that deadline of yo, if we don't get it done, <laughs> I don't want to negotiate in the middle of the season. I'm going to play out. We just watched Aaron Judge do it for the Yankees. He said, yo, if we don't get a deal before the beginning of the season, I'm going to just play it out. He played it out to the tune of being an AL MVP, getting busy, setting the record uh, for most home runs in the AL. I felt that was a poor act of leadership on Lamar Jackson's part. Now, he's currying favor from the fans. Like, yeah, pay our guy. But as a teammate, like, yo, bro, you walk through these doors, you got a you ball. Yeah. You got a ball, man. After the Super Bowl, the story, of course, is Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the uh Chiefs. Like, why this guy can't get a job? He would end up leaving the Chiefs and going to the lateral position with the Washington Redskins. You saw that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you make it that?
1: I don't know. You know, um, you know, you see this happen in NFL a lot though. Mm. Like this this sort of thing happens. So I can't call it, right? It's one of those things that's like, well, I don't know where he fell short. I don't know what the conversation is. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. what why I I need a little bit more mm-hmm. cuz I don't I don't really know the backstory in terms of
0: why. You know, I don't Stan, I I felt like yo this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in the NFL. <laughs> Eric Bienieme was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's possibly coaching the best football player ever. And he goes to the Washington Redskins. If the belief is you can't get a job because you're black, going over there don't change that. The Washington Redskins are a, a team that's not stable. Their owner's under investigation. Like this is the if this is his decision making, it makes sense why he can't get a job, Stan. Yeah. This is nuts. Furthermore, Stan, you talk about leadership because he can scheme something doesn't mean he gets to be the CEO of the team. No
1: well so this is another conversation right because a lot of offensive coordinators right mm-hmm. especially on high octane offensive teams mm-hmm. right they, they there can be some ego behind that okay right there, there can be I'm not saying there is but I can only imagine if I'm the OC right yeah and the the our money the way we make our money is our offense, like the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. right Kansas City they, they put up they put up points. People come see Kansas City score the football. Yes, sir. Right? I could I could imagine the um the level of uh confidence, right, a O. C can have in terms of being the person that runs the show a little bit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I could see how that could be an issue.
0: Now would would Eric be enemy if he goes to Washington and the Kansas City Chiefs continue to be successful, which we think they they will be, with possibly the greatest football player ever and Patrick Mahomes. That gives the NFL the license to say, see, it wasn't the enemy. I think this guy's going to sink whatever little value <laughs> yeah, he has, Stan. <laughs> now, you remember um, Mahomes
1: in the Super Bowl a couple years back? Yes. Against Tampa Bay. Yes. Right? They frustrated him. Oh, yeah. They frustrated him. He learned from that. Mahomes? He learned from that. Yeah, he had oh, to learn from that. Right. Because they, they had him in circles. They like had him they, running crazy. He, he looked crazy that game right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it safe to say that maybe the enemy kind of helped him get back
0: to a to a different level? Without question it's possible, Stan. But for whatever reason, they said the guy, 15 interviews or something, he's not closing the deal when he goes in these rooms. Mm-hmm. Something may be missing. Maybe it's in the leadership department. How could we never heard him speak? Yeah, You go into one of the worst franchises? You think that's going to help you? You got Andy Reid as your coach at Kansas City who is singing your praises because Andy Reid is comfortable in his position. You go to Washington with a head coach maybe looking for a job in a year or two himself, like, that dynamic... To walk away from the Chiefs at this moment, that's just not very smart, huh? And and it, to me, it just highlights, like, dang. If he had to make them type of decisions, it makes sense why he can't get a job.
1: Do you remember... When uh, Tom Thibodeau was the defensive coordinator on the Boston Celtics? Yes, sir. Right? We've never seen nothing like that.
0: Both coaches standing up.
1: Both coaches standing <laughs> up. This guy, eyes, eyes, Like, he's screaming. Yeah. He's screaming out uh, um, coverages from the sideline. Yeah. Then later on, we find out that he's this mastermind, and, and these are the things that he brings to the table, huh. right? And then he slides off and go gets a head coaching job. Yeah. Everybody was like, this guy, that's not his thing. He's a defensive coach. Right. Right? He's going to go over there. And he got criticized for years mm-hmm. for not knowing.
0: The offensive side.
1: The offensive side. For years. Mm-hmm. I never thought that he was that bad on offense. But once you get that label, yeah, you know, once they give you that label, mm-hmm. that might follow you. Right? And that might be the case with him. Maybe they're saying like, look, yeah, you're an offensive guy, but maybe you don't bring enough on this side. Right. You know, that that could be the case with him. And Thibodeau finally snapped. He just, <laughs> they finally giving him credit now. Yeah. Finally, like, oh, wow, he's so smart. Quigley and, th- but for a long time, it was like, yo, he destroys young players. Yeah. I disagreed. I thought he developed Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, Joe Kim. No, I thought he developed all those players. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, he got this, you know, that was the um the the narrative. Yeah.
0: You know, so I could see that happening to BNME as well. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that can be done to help black coaches ascend? You know, there's the Rooney Rule where teams have to uh, interview minority candidates, but many people think those are just token interviews. The owner and the franchise already have their ideal candidate. Is there anything that can be done to help minority coaches fill some of these positions?
1: Oof. That's a that's a very loaded question. Um, I think you know to understand we don't we don't spend a lot of time talking about owners and mm. their philosophies. We don't. No sir. Right. We spend a lot of time talking about it's like it's like rap music. Right. I don't mean to go into rap. Go for. It. But but you have all these um, companies like like uh, you take Young Money. We know who runs Young Money, mm. right? We know who runs this. Who but who runs Universal? Who runs uh, who, who runs Sony? Who's the CEO of Sony? We don't talk about those people. Right. So when something happens to the artists, we lock in on what we know. But the parent company, the person at the top, yeah. we never talk about. So when we're talking about hiring um, black coaches, um, we got to talk about who are the owners and what are their philosophies, mm-hmm. right? We got to put a little bit more pressure on who's at the top and not just the middleman.
0: You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Stan, I, I I find you to be a dynamic dude who, when you walk in a room, you can make things happen, no matter who's in the room, black, white, male, female. I would like to think that. <laughs> and that is a skill. I don't think that just happens by chance. I like to consider myself that type of individual also. When you walk in a room, no matter who's there- you understand the dynamic. So, Stan, can you offer us, us any insight to brothers who may find themselves in being the only black in the room, the only male in the room, and still being able to get the job done, still being able to perform? I'll give my little two cents. When I walk in a room, I try to figure out what my value is and make sure everybody else knows what my value is in that room. So that that's my little two cents. So I come with purpose, Mm -hmm.
1: right? I come with purpose. So if I'm here to do this job or if I'm here, I'm in the room for a purpose already. Mm -hmm. I got up that morning. I set a goal. I'm going to achieve that goal, right? Mm -hmm. Once I walk in that room and I've set that goal, I want to make sure, number one, that goal is specific. I want to make sure it's measurable. Mm -hmm. It's attainable. It's relevant. And there's a timetable to it. So if I'm there for two hours, I'm going to give my best two hours. Mm. And every conversation I have, I'm going to speak with love. Right? I don't believe love and fear can sit in the same seat. Mm-hmm. I believe you're either doing something out of love or you're doing it out of fear. <laughs> right? And I don't like the process within fear. Mm-hmm. I don't like the process. I don't want to ever let the moment get so crazy that I'm so scared. Or Of course, fear comes. Yes, but sir. I don't want to act out of that. I want to act out of love. So if I'm having a conversation with you and it's a hard conversation, I'm going to do it with love, mm-hmm. right? If, if if the moment gets crazy, even when my kids get into fights at, at, at the school, and, you know, I'm trying to break it up, but it's with love. Yeah. I try to keep my ego out of it. I don't, I, I'm not worried about the way I look, the way I sound. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm doing it with love, I trust that I'm, I, that I'm working within my purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's dope, man. Love and fear. I think you said that last time. Love and fear can't reside in the same place. But I, that's dope, man. Because I, I think a lot of brothers walk in the room and they just feel defeated.
1: And it happens. And and it has to happen. Like that feeling, you can't make it. Not, but your comp- the composure you have, especially when you're setting goals. A lot of our brothers set goals. And we were talking before about this, before um the, the interview. A lot of our brothers set goals. Right, that aren't necessarily achievable or mm-hmm. a- attainable yet. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So then they can't measure it. Right, and there's no timetable to it because it's so, you know. So now you walk into this room, and of course you feel uncomfortable because you don't see, you don't see the finish line. It's like, well, if I'm if I'm the, you know, you pick your favorite point guard. Uh, uh
0: Jalen Brunson.
1: Jalen Brunson. Right, <laughs> he gets past the first defender, in and out. Crossover, gets past the second. Um, he? Yeah. gets past the third, gets past the fourth, gets past the fifth defender. At this point, he should be at the rim. Yes, sir. What if there's no rim? All these skills he got don't even matter because there's no goal. Wow. There's no goal. The boy, he's talented, <laughs> but there's no goal. So without that goal, without that basket, without that end zone, how long can you keep on going?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're going to fall into the fear. You're going to fall... You know it's gonna be hard to persevere yeah. and get past all these obstacles because you don't have a goal. So our brothers, when we walk into these rooms, gotta have a goal. You gotta have specific goals and and and, and really lock in on that. Do you write goals down, Stan? Yeah, now I do. Now I do. Yeah. Um, I've you know so I'm I'm um my fiance mm-hmm. who I'm, I'm getting married to in May. Congratulations, right? May twentieth this year. Um, she's also pregnant. Salute. So baby's doing four weeks. Wow. So. My mind is constant. Not, my mind has never been like this. Now my mind is really all over the place. I'm a Gemini, so my thoughts be all over the place. Yeah. But now it's really like that. So I write down a lot more things um, now about the things that I want for my daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm having a daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, for my family, you know, for my students, you know, even even today, I was like, yo, I gotta make it here. And before 7, because I told Will I was going to be here. So as soon as the game was over, I ran here. That's low. You know, I I, got to write those things down. If not, I'm going to be all over the
0: place. Long-term, short-term, how do you break it down?
1: Long-term goals and short-term goals? Yeah. So short-term goals... Now, um, I'm
0: just saying, when you write down, like, what's your approach?
1: Both, both, both. I have my long-term goals in my phone, because I'm in my phone every day. I have them in my office, Mm -hmm. right? My office looks a lot like this, by the way, a lot like this. So I have them in my office. My short-term goals are in my phone. That's daily. That's something I got to go to daily. Mm-hmm. So one of my short-term goals might be like, look, today I want to speak to at least four or five athletes about their grades, right? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, I got to make sure mom gets her medication today. That's a short-term goal, like little little simple stuff. So um, that's in my phone. But my long-term is, is up on the wall. Up on
0: at the wall. At work and at home. That's dope. That's dope. Stan, you been in them high schools for how long now? Woof.
1: 2008, um, just about 2008. How, how long is that,
0: man? 2008, I mean, I'm no math 15 it. years? Yeah, 15 so, years.
1: So about 15 years,
0: yeah. I've been working as a sub last couple years. You know, my only experience outside of that was my own time in high school, which I graduated in 2003. A lot has changed. A lot, a lot. What, what would you say are some of the bigger changes you've seen over your 15 years in a New York City public high school?
1: Um... I would say our our kids now have way more distractions than we had. We we, we didn't have these sort mm-hmm. of distractions. You know what I'm saying? Like um also uh identity, right? Uh, we we didn't have all these options for identity neither. Like mm-hmm. you you go on Instagram and you got Instagram models that look like this and you got these brothers that look like this and you know exactly what they're wearing mm-hmm. and all these different like you could be anybody you want now right and you're spending so much time Mm -hmm. on these platforms that they're they're shaping your mind yeah right they're shaping your mind and i I talk to my students about health a lot right mental health intellectual health and and whatever you put in your body whether it's food whether it's sound whether it's words you know it affects your mental health and our young people are uh ingesting a lot of um um, toxicity
0: I don't want to be A victim of Just paying attention To articles Or things I see on TV But Is this generation Less happy? Is that a real thing?
1: It's hard It's it's very hard To be happy Because you're never Good enough Right? Never good enough We had We'll, we'll take um, You know We'll take A, a situation like um, Let's take a high school Basketball game Like today Yeah my, my precious Grady Falcons lost to um,
0: Lawrence Tech Jets. To,
1: to, to, to Lawrence Tech. Grady had a great season. Mm-hmm. Great season. Division champs. Great season. The division championship in 1995 would have been celebrated hard. That division championship would have been celebrated hard. He could have mm-hmm. lost in a chip, could have lost in the Sweet 16. That division championship would have been celebrated hard. That division championship right now is the last thing on those boys' minds. And it's going to go, you know, into, we're going to go two years from now and maybe not even talk about it, right? But it was it was, it, it was a goal. It was achieved. It was beautiful. It was a great moment. And it's something to be celebrated. But it's hard to be good enough in this environment. It's
0: hard to be good enough in this environment. Stan, that's a great example. And many times I'm looking at my kids and I've, I, I see that. The disappointment, cause they don't have this follow that follow. How do we help them, Stan?
1: So every every there's a great book, right? And I suggest it, I, mean, I, I suggest that everybody, right, who works with young people, um, take a look at this book, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, my man Torrance, Torrance Hampton. Okay. Right. Uh, it's a brother that wrote this book. It's called Genius Factor. It talks about how everybody has a genius. Everybody has a genius. It's about finding that genius and really locking in on it, Mm -hmm. setting goals and making that genius work for you. And not just focusing on how much money you're gonna make one day, but really tapping into this genius so you can make money, Mm -hmm. right? So you can find joy, right? That joy has to come from you. It can't come from the exterior. We're being taught that joy comes from the outside. It don't come from the inside, right? That joy um, isn't necessarily your degree, isn't necessarily the house you bought; it's the genius that you use to acquire these things, right? Wow. So it's a it's it's a wonderful book. It's called Genius Factor by by, by Torrance Hampton.
0: Stan, uh, did I get this correct? You're working as a drug and alcohol counselor too. Sappers counselor, yeah. So substance abuse intervention prevention specialist, yeah.
1: Would you say the substance abuse has been kicked up? Uh, without a doubt. So when you're dealing with um, the vaping and things of that sort. So these kids don't even realize, a, a lot of young people don't even realize that this is like nicotine. They won't even smoke a cigarette. No. Right? But they'll smoke this they, very attractive, colorful, available... Fruit-flavored. Fruit-flavored <laughs> thing. Um, we, right? A lot of our young people, you know their parents openly smoke, mm-hmm. right? So they smoke, right? Or relatives smoke, so they smoke. And then with not feeling, like, good enough, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're tapping into these drugs and these substances to feel better just for a little bit, mm-hmm. just for a little bit. And then it wears off, and, and the same issues that you had are still there, so you get a little bit more, you get a little bit more. And it's happening at such an early age, middle school and things. So we have we have a huge fight within our system right now in terms of mental health.
0: Do you feel like your job... Is impossible, like, to try and save and help these kids. Like, how do you not feel like, yo, I, I could never save all these kids? Like, how does that not kind of deter you?
1: So what's what's beautiful, right? I'm part of um, My Brother's Keeper, mm-hmm. right? I'm actually the chairman for district. I'm, I'm a co-chair for District 21. So uh Dewey, Grady, uh, Lafayette, uh, Rachel Carson, you name it. Lincoln, we all come together, right? And we, we're under our superintendent, Michael Prayer. He, You know, we have these meetings, right? Sometimes the chancellor's there and we all sit down and we come up with solutions, right? It's a beautiful thing. So to be part of a network like that and see people talking about the issues in our neighborhood, mm-hmm. in our schools, in our communities... And actually sitting down and talking about and coming up with solutions, student-led. Mm-hmm. Student-led gives me a lot of hope because it just shows we got to create more of that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be all fixed in one day, but we got to create more of that. I didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. So just imagine like a brother like yourself who's very, who who is always looking to uplift, right? With the same spirit you have now, just imagine you were being groomed in ninth grade, mm-hmm. in ninth grade, Right. By, by, by people in power, right? right?
0: By that would meant the world. That have meant the world, yeah.
1: You know what I'm saying? And having access to Barack Obama, to having mm-hmm. access to the chancellor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And your superintendent and, ha- and, and being able to have a voice and a seat at these tables, mm-hmm. that's amazing. So, you know, I, that's, that's what I look forward to in terms of creating more of that mm-hmm. for, for our young people. I'm a part of the Gentlemen's Factory. Jeff Lindor, who also graduated from Grady High School, played at Grady High School back in the day. He created the Gentleman's Factory. Oh yeah, an amazing network of 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 young men, well of men, yeah, of color, who are, who are doing the same, who are in boardrooms, buying property and, and 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 doing business deals and doing yeah. amazing stuff. I didn't know these things were existing until I was a part
0: of it. I didn't know you was a part of that. Yeah. I learned at a gentleman's factory when I was getting a suit made, and a dude invited me to this. He said this is his office. And I'm like, yo, this place is kind of snazzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's the one on Flatbush.
1: So there's two of them now. There's
0: one on Fulton or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: amazing space.
0: That's dope. That's dope. man. Twenty four
1: hour access.
0: That's pretty dope. They had a podcast space in there too. Podcast space. Very nice. We've been trying to connect for a long time. Things just kept popping up. I said, I want to get Stan's take. I want to get Stan's take. And I thought about you when Takeoff, from the Migos got killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, yo, these young men are watching their favorite rappers get gunned down. Mm-hmm. What impact you think that's having on them? Like, it's like getting extinguished, like it's nothing, Stan. I think for a lot of our young people that it's so common now, right?
1: When we were when we were younger, I'm I'm, I'm 43,
0: 38 in two weeks.
1: Oh, it's it's coming up. (laughs) up. Beautiful thing. When Biggie got killed, that hurt. (laughs) Like, I cried. Like, that hurt. I watched, like, all of Brooklyn and the pain that was associated Mm -hmm. with that image and that story. Then you had Tupac. People cried. Like, our kids ain't really crying. No, sir. There's a certain, we're, we're desensitized to the story because it's happening so much. Yeah. Right? And it's almost expected. It's expected. Mm-hmm. Right? The music has gotten so violent. Um, not just the music, the culture has gotten so violent. And it was violent before. There was a level of violence, but there was balance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you had NWA and some of that, but then you had the Fugees. Yeah. You had Fushnikins. You had De La Soul. You had conscious hip hop, you had um, gangster hip hop, you had club hip hop, you had stuff to choose from. Mm -hmm. This right now is constant. It's it's an attack on the mind. Like I said, it's like food.
0: Yeah. You got to be careful what you intake. What what you're
1: taking in. And then our kids are taking this stuff in and it's almost out of control because a lot of the parents don't even know what's going on, right? Like they don't know the new words, yeah. the new lingo that's out. Every, every day I'm if I don't work if you don't work in the school, you have no idea what to do with young people.
0: No idea, Stan.
1: It's hard. Right? I'm not saying parents don't know what to do with their kids, but like these groups of young people mm-hmm. and the culture that they're participating in, right? Even the dances that they're doing. Yeah. And where it's coming from, like the Philly stuff and the Jersey stuff. Parents don't know where where this stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and a lot of educators don't know. They don't. So now the kids are literally teaching themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yo, Stan, when we, speaking of the music, when we go to play some of these high schools, <laughs> all right, we play the hip hop. <laughs> Yo, Stan, I went to one high school, they playing the hip hop with the curses. Yeah. Yo, I, I was mortified. Yeah. And these songs, you say it's getting more violent, we lack lacking balance, which is true. These songs are naming real people that are, Mm-hmm. That are that are deceased. Yeah, Stan. I looked around like, damn, I'm the old guy. Like, is nobody else sick by this? Yeah. And our young men are just getting planted in the head that their life is e- easily uh, extinguishable.
1: Yeah, young men and and, and our young women. Our, yeah. our, 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 our young women have taken on that take as well. Um, so at my school, right, we have some. At Grady, we have some amazing people, right? Um, Miss 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 Kima Jones who's worked at Grady for a very long time. She's also uh, ambassador for My Sister's Keeper and and chair for My my, my Sister's Keeper in our district. You know, everything after school goes through her. Alongside our APs as well, but everything goes through her. So the music we play, where the fans sit, how we exit, Mm -hmm. you know, everything is planned, right? I'm not going to say to school because I don't want to throw nobody under the bus, but there's been some high schools that I've been to, to watch my godson play and, 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 and other people. There, there's no control None. over the crowd, and there doesn't seem to be a need for it. Right. So if I bring my four-year-old child to a game, my four-year-old, to come watch her big brother play, yeah, right, she should be as protected as anybody else in there.
0: Without question.
1: Right, that That gym shouldn't be left to the wolves. That's a family center. <laughs> Yeah. Right? College coach walks in the gym. It used to happen to me all the time. It's embarrassing. I come to watch this this you know, this student athlete play. I got the Brooklyn College gear on, my yeah. shirts tucked in. I'm ready to go. Yo, blah, 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 blah. And the yeah. kids, you know, I can smell the weed smoke on the kids in front of me and, yeah. and I'm in the midst of chaos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And and it's it's just one of those things. We gotta represent our high schools better and we gotta have the Kima Joneses of the world yeah. in working after school. Let's pay these people to make sure that our after-school events are ran well. Because after-school events represent your school to the fullest. That's the most people you're going to see in a space for that amount of time. For sure. Football game. It's going to be like 100 people out there. They in there. Right? That's the representation of your institution. Basketball game. You're going to have 50 to 100 people all piled up for two hours. Mm. Gym class might be huge, but that's forty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. You got two hours. This is a representation of your environment. For sure. So we gotta pay people to make sure that those um those those events <sighs> are ran smooth.
0: There was one song that I learned of this season. I guess the lyrics go, "So and so got hit in their bean." You familiar with this song, Stan? I've I've heard it, but I I know what getting hit in your bean means. Yeah, it's about somebody that got hitting that bean so if you beat a team you say oh so and so got hitting that bean yo bro I was like yo this is this is too much Yeah. like you there's no balance it's too much and I wonder subconsciously the impact it's having on these young men
1: without a doubt you see it on
0: social media even
1: more now all the fights happen yes right and that's cause we are creating the environments for that you know parents um, parents uh 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 the the audience watching the game, coaches, referees that aren't necessarily skilled in terms of how to de-escalate. Yeah, you know, there's there's refs. You know, jump ball situation, two players on the floor. What are you waiting to blow the whistle for? Make mm-hmm. a decision. It's gonna go down down there. Yeah, like we see it happen all the time. So everybody um, involved uh, should we need to make these spaces way more safe? And it, the music cannot be that. Just like to to what you're saying, there's no way the music can be like that.
0: So are we going to be the corny school that doesn't play these tunes? Like, and this is why I, I, I reach out to you. I feel like your got your jobs is becoming impossible today.
1: So uh, shout out to Mr. Bruce Felosa right? The OAD at Brooklyn College, right? Bruce, you know, you can say a lot about Bruce, but one of the things that Bruce made sure of is that our um, our product was not tampered with. So he had to hear the music in advance. Who knows if he knew what he was listening to? Yeah. But I knew what he was listening for. Yeah. He hear the curse word that's not playing. That's not it. Right. That CD's not playing tonight. Right? We got to make sure that we're protecting our brand. And he did a very good job at that for a long time in protecting stuff like that and mm-hmm. making sure that we weren't the institution where you you come to a game with your 5-year-old and that's happening. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it, again, a lot of a lot of APs, right, and a lot of principals don't know what's happening in their school right. after school. They don't know exact. They're trusting other people with that, mm-hmm. right? There, there needs to be a bigger push in terms of taking care of those events and making sure that we're good. Mm-hmm.
0: It's great you brought up Bruce Filosa because I did want to bring him up. Uh, I guess we talked about Brooklyn has a new AD, Eric Smiles. Bruce Filosa was there for a long time. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Uh, his legacy is and should be?
1: Without a doubt, protecting the brand, right? Bruce hired me. I'll I'll tell you a funny story. So when Bruce hired me, um, uh, I spoke to Alex. He said, all right, look, listen, it looks like you're going to get the position, but you got to talk to Bruce, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm about 24, 25 years old. I go in there. I'm sitting down. I'm having a conversation with Bruce. Me and Bruce have a good relationship. I was a student athlete at Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Me and him have a good relationship, so uh, I sit down with Bruce. First thing he says is, Stan, you can't date the players. <laughs> oh. Mind you, I'm 25 years yeah. old. Some of these players are 21, 22 years yeah. old. So first thing he says, like, look, these are the rules. These are the, yo, know, when you show up to the games, you gotta have a suit and a tie mm-hmm. on. You gotta wear a suit, you gotta wear shoes. And it, cause It's so funny to see now, cause all the coaches don't wear suits no more. Everybody right. wears like the polos it and stuff like that. Drives me crazy, yeah. But um, he was all about protecting the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, everything we did at Brooklyn was for a reason. And sometimes, you know, especially as a young person, you're like, yo, this old guy, man, come yeah. on, you, you're doing too much. But his legacy for me was what, uh, in terms of how he protected the program. Because sure. we still have that legacy to this day. When people come to Brooklyn College, they feel safe.
0: Without question. Without question. And I, and I would add on, you know, I was thinking about his legacy, the fact that he moved on. He ran a clean program. Yes. He yes. ran No banners had to be taken down, no, no nothing. Nope. If you put numbers in the books, you better believe they're still there. Yes. You know, take it from somebody who watched uh, his program be broken up at your college. NCAA came in and took some wins away. It didn't affect anything from my career, but for my team, my, my 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 brothers, my former alumni, watching them accomplish something great and it be taken down, you don't want that. Stain. It's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And Brooklyn College never ever had to deal with that. He oversaw the construction of a new building mm-hmm. that this everybody calls him not easy. So salute to Bruce, Felosa, enjoy retirement. We talk about the music, YSL and the snitching and all that. Does this conversation come up, Stan? So, you know, so snitching is a very interesting thing, Mm -hmm. right?
1: So I get the whole idea like, all right, you chose to do this crime, right? You chose Mm -hmm. to do this thing. We're all in it together. You can't tell on me when you get caught. I get that, (laughs) right? Yeah. I get that. But then it trickles down into the culture. Yeah. Right? Where I get a kid that comes to my office, right, and he says, Stan, you know, um, there's a couple of students that are talking crazy to me, and um, I feel like I'm in danger, Mm -hmm. but I don't want (laughs) to snitch. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you're nuts. You are in danger, (laughs) right? You're in danger. Your parents sent you to Grady e High School. They expect you to be safe. Yeah, You're not in a street situation. You're supposedly in the safest place possible right now. Yeah. I got to keep you safe. This is not snitching. So I got to I, I gotta rebrand snitching. This, this happens every year. I, I give a whole presentation on what exactly is snitching. For real? Yeah, <laughs> I have to. Because the, the 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 ninth graders come in. Remember, they're eighth graders, right? Yeah. So they're impressional, They buy all this stuff. Big time. They they buy all this stuff. They believe in all of this nonsense. So they come in and they got to be reprogrammed. They got to be retrained in terms of how to deal with high school because you don't know how to do high school yet. I got to show you how to do high school. So you come in, all that culture that you're from, that's dead. Yeah. Right. We got to slowly kill that, but it takes a while. It takes a while.
0: Yeah. Another thing I try to show the kids because I I like to call them by their last name, like I call them Mr. Johnson or something. Mm I had a teacher do that to me when I was in Boys and Girls. Made me feel like I was respected. But now when I do that, yo, you the feds, you the FBI, because yeah. they, they government. And, like, our youth are taking on a, a, a... They default to being, like, an assumption of criminality. Yes. You ain't a criminal. No, you ain't got to worry about anything. And there's this talking about snitching and not snitching. I would challenge them to be in a position where you ain't got to worry about snitching.
1: Now... Going back to My Brother's Keeper, right? If we're creating communities yeah. of young men that see the power in not being like that. See, they don't know. Yeah. See, the boys, that the young men that I have that are part of My Brother's Keeper, when we go to these conferences, you have every school from Brooklyn South in the building. Mm-hmm. Everybody is in the building. So we're all sitting there, and it's like about seven or eight young men Per school. Mm -hmm. So you got about a 100 of us and we're having deep conversation. We're talking about impactful, important things. Yeah. And they're doing activities and they're getting to know each other. They've never seen nothing like
0: that before. No.
1: If we are putting our young men in spaces, right, that counter that, right, then we're doing a criminal
0: element. Yeah. But
1: just talking to them about it, that's not their day to day. Yeah. Right. But when we put them in these different spaces, then, then they see the power for sure right because what they respect is power on that side yeah <laughs> they respect that street power yeah right but then there's another power that they they're not being exposed to mm-hmm. right so i definitely think um, anybody that works inside of a school um if you are uh, you know you should definitely get down with um my brother's keeper my sister's keeper it's definitely an
0: amazing movement it's new how do you do that how do you get it down
1: so most schools have it Right? Most schools have it. I know all of Brooklyn South has it. I don't know about Brooklyn North, okay. but I know all of Brooklyn South has it. So if you if you speak to your principal about it, most principals have to answer for it because mm-hmm. the superintendents are, are, are putting pressure on the principals. Like when they have their principals meetings, they're like, so how my brother keep it going? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, they, they, they got to say something. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely something that if you are looking to make a bigger impact, find out who the ambassador is and team up mm-hmm. and, and and work. And it's not like there's a limit. You know, you can have as much as 100 kids. I have yeah. 30 kids that are part of mine, right? Do all 30 show up for every meeting? No. But we have a presence on campus. At every Grady. time. We have a presence. Mm-hmm. And when, when somebody says, you are I'm my brother's keeper, they know what comes with that. That's what's up. Also started um, the Black Student Union. Okay. At Grady, because I was part of the Black Student Union at Brooklyn College. And I know how impactful that was in terms of having conversations like these. Yes. Because it's not happening in the classroom necessarily. It's not happening in the auditorium and it's not happening in the lunchroom. It's not gonna happen in the gym. We gotta create the spaces for conversations like this to happen. For sure. So when when we get together and we're having our meetings as the Black Student Union, we're having these deeper conversations about black culture and about um, the changes in terms of young people of color.
0: Yeah, That's, that's snitching stuff though, Stan. Like that is getting crazy. And I try to tell the kids like, yo, I don't even have anything to snitch on. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't no square. You, sh- I go in my neighborhood. The, the, those people say what's up. Those people say what's up. You got to, again, you talk about leadership, policing yourself. There was time I'd be in the park and people playing basketball. And then after a while, I see a whole bunch of people uh, congregating and nobody's playing basketball. Well, it's time for me to go now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think they understand that their teachers, many of the teachers, had to survive those same places. Yeah. It's about putting yourself in the right predicament. You know, hip-hop culture is probably, um, and, and it's
1: so weird, but hip-hop culture is probably one of the only um, cultures where um, the older person's voice, the elder's voice, is not respected. Boom. Right? So here it is. I I'm from the same neighborhood as you, right? And um I survived it and I have all these stories and all these skills mm-hmm. that I've accumulated over the years and I'm sharing it with you and you are like, "Come on man, you ain't hip, old head. Yeah. Get out of here." Cuz you're not hip.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? You're not you're not cool enough to tell me mm-hmm. about anything. Right? right? So it, it, it is a challenge
0: Only in hip hop culture you Only in to... hip hop
1: culture What other culture do you find this? <laughs> Only in hip hop culture Do we say crazy stuff Like word to my dead Like yeah. Stuff like that, like Violating the ancestors On all levels Yeah On all levels And it has to change There's great hip hop artists Out there Our kids need to understand There are great hip hop artists Out there mm-hmm. The people be- being put on TV Right It's on purpose mm-hmm. There's other people that don't spit this message yeah. that don't talk like that, but they'll never get airplay yeah right And that's what I mean by the responsibility of media. We're not socially responsible mm-hmm. with our media because we don't have to give these people the mic no sir they're not the only ones. there's other people out there yeah but that's the only people that's going to get these contracts
0: mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying for sure, for sure. Uh, something else that came up that I, I I wanted your help on. I had the PSL executive director in here. Uh, Mr. Ray Haskins. I just saw him at the game. I just saw Ray. That's what's up. That's what's up. Salute to Ray Haskins. And I was asking him questions about getting things done in the city. He's like, y'all should form a union amongst the coaches. And uh, shout out to Anthony McLean. He was watching. He's like, yo, coach, oh, what are we going to do? I'm like, yo, bro, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's, it sounds impossible to get all these coaches together. And when something sounds impossible, I'm calling Stan Fevereen. <laughs> Stan, all these coaches. I, I believe in community. I believe if we are united, we can do anything. But getting the big dogs, the Lawrence Bud Pollers, the Roof Lovelace, getting everybody on one accord. Like if, if we wanted to do something, like where would we even start? I think you gotta start at the top. You gotta start with the Chancellor. I
1: think I, th- I think that's that's something that I've learned um throughout my years, especially working with my brother's keeper. I think you gotta start um from the very top. You got to start from 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 the very top, and that's to say, right? Um, what what is it that our sports? What are we trying to do with our sports? Okay. Right. What is the overall message of the PSAL when it comes to sports? What is the overall message of education? Right. Let's not just separate sports from education. I'm gonna tell you something that's very interesting. You take a kid with an IEP, right? You take a kid with an IEP.
0: Let them know what that is
1: it's it's an intervention plan right okay so for 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 students with um you know special needs mm-hmm. or you know that are struggling in certain areas academically mm-hmm. right so it's an individualized plan right and there's this assumption right that the child that has this has issues learning right in certain areas, okay right. So like, hey, they need a little extra time with test. And and I believe that. I believe that. But then that same child, that same child, you put him on a football field, and he's playing offensive line. He knows every play. Yeah. He studied every play. He knows every single play. On the dot, blue 54, all right, I got to do this. Red 38, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to get a field, block him. And right. Same child who who has an anger problem on paper, right? has composure on the football field. He doesn't let the moment get too crazy. He's not getting into fights and he's banging bodies. People are talking crazy to him and he's figuring it out. Same child um, is having a hard time getting getting through class throughout the day. He's tired, has all the energy in the world over here. So we gotta look at education a little bit we got to look at it a little different Mm -hmm. because our young people are learning in some very dynamic ways.
0: Wow.
1: Right? But there's no test for what happens on the field. Mm -hmm. Right? The IEP all of a sudden disappears when this kid goes to play football, when he goes to play basketball, Mm -hmm. and a coach ain't hearing it. Mm -hmm. Coach is not saying, oh, you got to, nah, I can't let him run that play because he, no, he's he's on the field. You got to know, yeah. Right? So I think that's, I don't have an answer for that necessarily, but I think there's something to look at. we got to look at education a little bit different, and it it starts from the top. I think for the coaches, there needs to be a a message, a mission statement from the top.
0: The top of the coaches or the the
1: chancellor? Chancellor. Working with the coaches, having conversations with some of the coaches, right, to figure out what are some of the needs of the coaches – Right, Because before we create a union, we have to know, one, what we're up against. Also, two, what support do we have? If we're not getting support from the top, right, so then who's next?
0: But I that would be a reason to create the union um, to apply pressure to the chancellors and the mayors. You know what I'm saying? We can't just wait for a benevolent one to say, hey, what do you guys feel? We got to kind of organize first before we can apply that pressure. You know?
1: So now that, that that's one of those conversations, right? Is it coming from the students or is it coming from... Um, the staff, or is, is it coming from the parents? Because everybody should be involved. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be involved. That's a community conversation, and that's why it's so important to have it happen from the top. And I'm not saying wait. I'm not saying wait. Right. I'm saying let's 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 reach out to some of our leaders, right? We all have access to our superintendents, right? We have access to our to our to our commissioners, right? Just like you went to Ray and said, Hey Ray, Hey Ray gave you a great idea. He said, Yo, hey, you just saw the union, right? Right? When I started the union, what does that look like? Because remember, teachers are still part of unions. Still part of the UFT. There's things you can and you cannot do. Yeah. Right? So what are the limitations there? What are the limitations for the coaches that aren't part of the UFT? Mm -hmm. There's some coaches that are doing this straight out of love. Are they still part of the union? Yeah. Right? So.
0: Stan, you ever had to summon a group to come together to go to battle and fight for some resources from the powers that be? Maybe a principal or a boss or anything?
1: So I, I try my best to get my students to learn how to do that, right? Inside the building. I try to teach them how to be assertive and how to go about doing those
0: things. Stan, you teach them how to challenge authority to go after?
1: Without a doubt. We, so this <laughs> this year we haven't had a, a meeting yet, right, with the principal. But every year the principal comes in with the state of the black student address. Mm-hmm. Right, she comes in, she sits down with BSU, and she, and she has a conversation with them about where they are within the city in terms of their grades.
0: Any of your coworkers threatened by you teaching the students
1: this? I think you know sometimes you hear stuff, <laughs> right? Because what's gonna happen is, all right, a, a freshman comes in, right? Freshman comes in, they don't know the marking periods, they don't know how this works. Yeah. So right now, like the first marking period ends March fifteenth, uh-huh. right? So now this young person doesn't, if they don't know that the first market period ends March 15th, how are they going to finish strong? Right. Right? So instead of getting a 65, they could have easily got a 75 if they would have knew. You know, you need a timetable for your goals. That's what I'm teaching them. Right. So now I tell them like, yo, listen, the first market period ends March 15th. They go to their teacher like, look, listen, I went and I was checking my grades. You ain't great on my grades. Wow. Teacher's like, uh... Yeah, I didn't get to it yet. All right, cool. So now grades come out. These magic grades pop up. And you're like, wait, hold on. Didn't I have to have a conversation with you about this? Yeah. Stan, she didn't put my grade in. Or he didn't put my grade in. All right, well, the next step is so-and-so. You're talking to ask your parents to come up. I got You got to teach them how to be assertive for themselves. We have some great teachers at Grady. But people make mistakes. Things happen. Yo, Stan, right?
0: that's great. I <laughs>
1: That's the right thing. You got to teach them how to survive in this world. And and I would want somebody to do it for my child. (laughs) I would want somebody... Not all of our parents speak English. Yeah. Not all of our parents know what's going on. So now the kid is up there and they got to figure it out. A lot of our kids aren't even comfortable having a conversation with an adult. Big time. So here it is. You know, you don't feel something's right. And you're holding it to yourself. Well, you know, where's the love in that? So... I try to get my kids to be as assertive as possible. This
0: is a big deal. They don't even feel comfortable talking to adults. And you said they just sit there and take it on the chin. They'll fail. They'll this and that. You know what I'm saying? But we should be preparing them to stand on their own as they go out in the world. That's the key. So what type of tactics? Talk to us then. What type of things you are are, are teaching them to do?
1: Well, life skills. You know, you, you, you want to start with life skills. So little things like, again, setting goals, right? Understanding health. Understanding health and understanding stress. Because mm-hmm. stress will make you do some crazy stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're having a hard time in math class, right? You, you're not doing so well. You did alright in middle school, but now you're in high school you're not doing so well. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing for you to not do well, because you're not used to not doing well. Yeah. So now you're showing up a little late. Showing up late goes into not coming, mm-hmm. right? You're sitting in the back of the class, you hiding, hoping that nobody don't call on you. Yeah. So you're trying to basically fail on the low. Yeah. Or... Hey, look, listen, that's stress, right? You have options. So I have, I have something called props through my curriculum um, that, that was taught to me through the Life Schools uh, curriculum and I use it in sports too, right? So when the stress kicks in or, or, or when the play starts, you know, you catch the ball, first you pause, right? Then you reflect. After you pause, you reflect. Then what are my options? Mm-hmm. Then you prioritize your options. Right. And then you select props. You know what I'm saying? Same thing in basketball. You catch the ball on the wing. You catch. See what's up. You see, you know, depending on your game, mm-hmm. you might shoot it. You might put it on the floor. What are my options? You pick one and, and, and then you go with it. So I try to teach them um, how to identify um, options and then select the right thing to do. Always putting them in good positions. Giving them skills to make good decisions. Because a lot of young people just don't. They don't have the skills yet or the tools to make good decisions. And I was one of them. I I, I had the same issues. So in learning and coaching and, you know, all this stuff comes together, you know, I'm just spitting it out. And it's not coming from nowhere. You know, I'm learning this stuff. Yo, Stan,
0: this is dope stuff, man. This is... This is dope stuff, man. The environment you created at Grady, not just in the classroom, but in uh, the the, the sports arena, it sounds like the education all of our kids should be getting. Not just academics and grades, but life skills. Mm -hmm. You know, preparing them to go out there and be adults, husbands, fathers, mothers, uh, wives. This is cool stuff. I know a lot of educators feel handcuffed. Like oh that's just that's Stan he got a nice principal or whatever it is like I do though I got a great
1: <laughs> principal I got a great shout out to Tara Montalbano
0: what about those folks principal. that feel like yo bro it's can't get nothing done in this this bureaucracy
1: so um, again creating these networks right and being part of networks even as far like as networks outside of the school building right like Gentlemen's Factory whenever I'm 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 with these brothers I get excited. There's not a time that I'm around them and I'm not excited because I'm hearing about stuff that I didn't think was possible, mm-hmm. right? So we need to create these spaces for us to come together and have these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. So if you have a resource that I need, I can share it with you. Gotcha.
0: What's next, Stan?
1: Uh, this baby. So, <laughs> so her name is Praise. I can't wait till Praise is born. So that, so, so that's next. Um, wedding's May 20th. It's in Mexico, so we're planning that. Um, once I come back from that, uh, I'm going to sit down with my brother. We're going to come up with some um, with some ideas about uh, some. Again, my brother's a football coach at mm-hmm. New Utrecht. So we, 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 we bump ideas off each other a lot. Mm-hmm. So over the summer, is our time to really get together and come yeah. up with stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to the summer and just sitting down and, and and you know brainstorming and coming up with different ideas and different things and reflecting on the season. <laughs> this past year, I worked with the soccer team at Brooklyn College, the men's soccer team, mm-hmm. girls volleyball, girls basketball and men's basketball. Mm-hmm. So I was very blessed to work with so many different teams because I, I see so many different things. Mm-hmm. I'm excited right now in terms of how to improve this program um, and, and, and just keep going.
0: What are you looking forward to most when it comes to fatherhood and what? are you most like maybe apprehensive about or most fearful or maybe gives you the most anxiety when it comes to fatherhood?
1: I'm I'm looking forward to raising um, a child. You know, I had a good run, right? I'm 43. So I waited a while, right? I'm looking forward to sharing um, all my stories, everything that I learned with with this young person, um, putting them in the best position, um, recognizing their genius and looking for it uh-huh. and helping them tap into it not getting in my kids' way uh-huh. but but definitely being there to to guide uh-huh. um, what's 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 scary right what I fear is is the unexpected uh-huh. right because you never know you know I had some unexpected things that happened in my life. you know my father passed away when I was um 10 years old uh-huh. right so there's things that happen that affect you. And that's the scary thing for me is mm-hmm. it's, it's the
0: unexpected. Mm-hmm. When you start to think about your 24 hours mm-hmm. as a father, <laughs> you know, you do a lot of work on Grady. You, you start to think about time management and what it's going to mean for your, your presence on the Grady campus and different things like that.
1: I'm going to definitely have to sit down with my wonderful fiance, right, and, and, and figure out what she needs from me. Yeah. Right. And what the family needs from me and how to balance it out. But you know, it's definitely gonna start with her, just having that conversation. Cause you know, sometimes you know we feel like we could do it all, yeah. and we don't even realize like there's this thing right here that really needs to get done. So I'm I'm gonna sit down with her um, and try to figure that out. We we already started having those conversations, but with the way things work, man, every every five months, you know, just just, yeah. just different stuff happening. You
0: know, that's dope, man. You deserve that, cause we had you for years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We <laughs> everybody could rely on Stan, could call on Stan. Your players, your students. You know what I'm saying? So congratulations to you and your family. What's the name of the restaurant, man? Uh, purpose. So we're, 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 we're not there anymore.
1: Uh-huh. We're not there anymore. No. No. So we, we had to let it go. Okay. Right. So wifey is, um, you know, she's still working in the industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think she's going to be doing some consulting real soon. But um, for now, no restaurant. Okay. For now. For now. There's lessons that was learned there, I'm sure. Oh, amazing lessons, amazing lessons. Some, and, and, and it brought us so much closer. Mm-hmm. It brought us so much closer because I, I I really got a chance to see her in her bag and yeah. in her purpose and, and how challenging this can be, and we really made it through that, through the pandemic as well. Yeah. So I really saw the warrior in her, and it, and, and it definitely made us better.
0: Okay. One last thing, Stan. Uh, you guys are going to be new parents, but we got a live event September twenty three. I need you to do your best to be there. Please, you and your lady. What's that? WBH Radio Live Show. Oh, nice. Nice. We going in the city. We got a a venue rented out. We're going to do some cool things, cool guests. I need you in that building if you can make it so. You you text me, you call me like you always do. (laughs) I'll be there in a really nice suit. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up, brother. Yo, Stan, I I appreciate you. And I, I want to tell people, me and Stan have crossed paths through the years, always loved. But I really felt like I got to know him through the stories that are told about him in rooms when he's not present. That's Your reputation is top notch, sir. Uh, I appreciate you being a guest. I appreciate your contribution to my city. Uh, I'm behind you. Whatever you do, man, just keep going. My brother got your back as well. Love is love. I appreciate you, man. WBH Radio, we out.